Hello, and welcome back to Tiny Little Victories. I am still your host, Jennifer Kite Powell. I have not been kicked off this podcast yet. I don't really plan to be since it's my show, but, and I can promise you also, I'm not going to crowdsource it like some public figures I know. Should I stay on my platform? Not going to do that. I'm definitely staying because I love it so much. And I love hearing all your stories. They, they fuel my life. And I love hearing about every single thing that everybody is doing in their lives, following their passion, making change in the world. It's great. I love it. Before I bring in the next guest, you know, I like to talk a little bit, but I wanted to talk to you about some statistics that I have seen floating around the podcast. And the reason why is because a lot of people have been asking me, how's it going? Are you getting some traction? What's the demographic? And yes, I have a lot of interesting stats here, thanks to Anchor and their great stat machine. Um, so yeah, I'll tell you right now that the top three countries listening to this podcast are the US, the Netherlands, and the UK. And right now I just, I can see you guys like raw over there in the Netherlands and the UK. And we also have Finland, Canada, Kenya. I think I know who's listening in Kenya. <laughs> Hello, Sabine. Hungary and the Philippines. So welcome everybody from all those countries. And also... The most popular platform for listening to this podcast is Spotify. Yay, go Spotify. Um, Truly a global platform. I love that everybody's listening on that. The next platform is Apple or Apple Podcasts, uh, Google Podcasts, and then something I found really interesting just says web browser. It's a fair amount of you listening on the web browser, which is so old school and I find it so sexy. So thank you all you web browser listeners. I absolutely love it. And The other thing I just want to say is thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening and thank you for sharing. And because I can also see that there's a lot of sharing going on and I'm getting a lot of comments in my email box. And if you're listening on Anchor, you can actually leave messages, even voice messages about the episode or just in general, I guess. So go ahead and have a little fun. Why not? Uh, And so I just... I'm so excited about this next guest. Uh, He's someone I've known for quite some time, maybe over a decade. Somebody I used to work with a long time ago when I had my company, Ink Communications. And he is a branding and creativity expert. And I got to tell you guys, I was so in such a great mood, so uplifted after we had this conversation. He is amazingly positive. And you know what the beautiful thing is? He had all these dreams and passions when he was a child about making films and creating, and he's doing that now. Isn't that remarkable? So sit back, grab a cup of coffee or drink, depending on where you are, and listen to this next episode with Hillel Hurwitz. Powered by Riverside. Okay, welcome back to Tiny Little Victories. You guys know I'm obsessed with this music by now, so I'm trying something new. I'm going to bring our guest in in three, two, one. That's great. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's Sunday. I really appreciate you taking the time and hello. Hello, hello. It's so good to hear your voice again oh, and reconnect. Yeah. yeah, it's been um it's been over can we say a decade? It's been over a decade since we've 
uh, since we've worked together, but I can't think of the last time I talked to you. That That is accurate. It was uh, over a decade ago, which is yeah. wild, but cool. I know. Wild, but cool. So everybody, this is Hillel Hurwitz. He is the founder and owner of the book, The Bald Agency. Is it bald or just The Bald Agency? Just We call ourselves bald or bald agency, whatever, whatever is I like easier. That. Okay, I like bald. I like that. Does it stand for anything or is it just... Just bald. Just plain old bald. <laughs> <laughs> I love the authenticity of that. It's just so simple and so direct. And just for the audience out there, I just want to let you know that I've known Hillel, like we said, for over a decade, which is strange. We used to work together way back in the day on a little startup that got bought by Apple in 2014 called Prime Sense. Um, not sponsoring the show. There's no sponsor. <laughs> yeah. One day. But over... Yeah, one down. And over the years, Hillel has gone on. He He's what I call, would call a true brand expert. That's what I would call you because you've been deep in the branding over the past 20 some odd years. And um, I, I know that you described this as you like were schooled in the physics of branding, branding, you know, building brands. And I think that's definitely true about you. So tell us a little bit about the Bald Agency and how you, you've done so many things though. My God, back and looked at your resume and it was like prime sense to the director of marketing, to branding, to, to Harvard, to all these branding certificates and, you know, accreditations. Talk to me about that. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, it, it's been a it's been a wild ride. I, I started, you know, early in my career. I did a, a undergrad in advertising communications. That's when I really fell in love with this whole marketing and advertising space. Um, and my first gig was agency side. So I was working with these big tech companies, um, HP, ICQ, and others. Primarily in social, that was like my first like real entry. It was as I'm dating myself, but it was as brands were figuring out. <laughs> The social media space, Facebook had just launched pages for brands. Um, yeah. And so I was running these big global campaigns for them quite early on in my career at this agency that, that had just started social, doing social for tech companies. Um, and then kept on moving and growing through through that, eventually became a, a marketing manager, a marketing director, a CMO. And I think when I became a CMO, I had a bit of an existential crisis because... <laughs> Oh my God, it's always the way, right? You're working your way up, you're like killing it, you're crushing it, and all of a sudden it's like yeah, something said, comes crushing down on your head. Yeah, I said, is this it? Was this the dream? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I remember like the day that I've, I was promoted to CMO, I was thinking, wait, why am I not happy and excited about this? This should be, a, this is a good mm -hmm. thing. No? But I yeah. think there was a part of me that always wanted to um, have my own creative shop and, and run my own agency. Um, in 2016, I moved to New York and I did my master's in brand strategy. And that's when I really fell in love with brand. I'd always been a brand guy until then, but I think before that branding was still perceived as just a logo or colors. And when I, when I did this master's program, this is when I really went in deep and understood about positioning and values and how to articulate a brand's narrative and a brand story and learned the frameworks and the models um, that really have just become part of my practice now. And uh, yeah, and, and fast forward till today, uh, we now have a, a, an incredible a creative brand agency. We're fully remote and global. I have 25 people around the world working for me. I know, th I know that model. I know that model. Works good. It works amazing. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're just doing amazing, amazing work. And it's, it's just been fun. 
Yeah, there's a couple things you said that I really like to put myself on mute so I wouldn't interrupt you. That's my new skill is trying <laughs> to not interrupt the guest that's talking. Um, but you brought up a really interesting point about this journey. And you had said, you know, you were starting with, you know, in Facebook, you're managing that first Facebook page. It's a really great time, I think, to be in, a, in this market because there's no other time did that ever happen, right? Like, yes, of course, social managers now, like it's a whole different thing. But when you were doing it, uh, it was also new, right? It was the beginning of everything. And so I think that probably helps if you think about in terms of where you, before you had your existential crisis, because, yeah. you know, you you did all these things from the beginning. It was sort of the wild, wild west out there. People didn't know. They were guessing. And I think 100%. you're right. Bra yeah, and, yeah. And branding. So you were you were learning, but also you were creating a lot of what people use today and don't think about it. Like this had to come from somewhere. Sometimes I think people just magically woke up and thought social was what it is today, but it wasn't. It was hard back then. It was just nobody really knew anything. Totally. And it was 100% right. And the fun part was we just got to experiment with a lot of things. We tried a lot yeah. of things and, and just, okay, let's see if this works. And so we did a big, <laughs> a big brand campaign for HP, got their, their Facebook page from like 3,000 likes or to – 20,000 likes in like two weeks. Like, okay, great. That worked. <laughs> what should we try next? And Check. That uh, works. It's like a science experiment, really. Totally. But, uh, but you're right. It did ground a lot of the theory mm -hmm. of how do you build a brand through social and how do you engage with audiences? And uh, what was really fascinating is I found that the, the work that I did that really resonated the most was when I infused my creativity. It's, and it's hard, it's hard to be creative on social every day with every post. And that's why I think a lot of garbage gets out there. But at the same yeah. time, like if you're, if you're able to really have a deep understanding of the brand and the brand voice and the brand personality and, and, and infuse that with some creativity, you can really create magic. I love that because I also love what you said that brand was just sort of like a logo, right? It wasn't as much as it is now. Again, back at this sort of evolution of where we are now. Now we have sound logos. Now we have your pull point of the brand voice and the story of what's happening because that has also evolved as you have evolved. So your existential crisis probably was necessary because one of the things I think I notice about you a lot, and by the way, everybody, you should follow him on LinkedIn if you're on LinkedIn. Still a cool place. Still a cool place. I don't care what people say. Um, because your posts are very interesting and they're very creative and they're sort of, they're many stories about what you've experienced. It's, it's a very personal connection I think the way you talk and I think that again goes to speak about what you're what you're talking about is creating this brand voice the story because you can feel it even through your own posts they're relatable it's not just you know disconnected from everything they're relatable oh I can understand that story yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, to me, that's actually the essence of branding. You know, one of my professors, okay. at, yeah, one of my professors at SVA gave me the best definition of branding I've, I've ever heard. And they said it's when your brand and your audience's ambitions align. And I love it, that. Yeah, it's so it's so powerful because that's really true. Like. All of the, like I have an iPhone. I'm a big Apple guy, not because they, you know, PrimeSense got bought by them, but just because I'm I'm a techie and and I I just have everything everything Apple. But why why do we carry around these phones that cost a thousand dollars when there's probably an equivalent that does more or less the same thing for two hundred dollars? And it's because oh, 
it's because the, the ambitions aligned with mine. Like I, I, I want to feel like a techie. I want to feel that things are smooth and intuitive and productive and are flowing and, and that I'm at the cutting edge. And so the brand's ambitions and my ambitions align and, and that's, that's what brands do. I think that's a great, I've had this discussion, this episode hasn't come out yet, but we have had this dis- exact same discussion about the branding power with phones back again, let's go back in the day, 2007, 2008, you know, those smartphones weren't so smart and things were still evolving and, you know, everybody was iPhone mad. I'm an Android, but I remember having an iPhone and thinking about the mobile phone market. And even though Android, technically a better device, people weren't aligned with the brand, right? They weren't aligned with that brand. And so that is part of, I think, the iPhone mystique. It's a lifestyle. It's a brand. You feel connected to it. Um, it's just feels good, right? When actually there are 1 million iPhone users in the world and 3 billion Android phone users in the world. Again, to your point, right? Yeah, and I think, again, <laughs> not, to, not to drive home too much about how amazing Apple's branding is, but you know, <laughs> another lesson that I learned, you know, just from, from Apple, um, I actually heard this on a podcast about um, Walter Isaacson or Steve Jobs' um, autobiographer. He said, "Why do they? How many of us at home have, you know, our AirPod boxes or the the, you know, our laptop boxes? They're like they're too nice to throw away, so we just gather these boxes." Oh, yeah, that's a good point. And it's a, do you it's have a yours? Did you I, did you keep yours? I've got every single one <laughs> sitting here on my oh, on my bookshelf. And I just toss everything. Like I, I was an iPhone person in the beginning, the first couple iterations. I listen. If they brought if they brought back BlackBerry. Yeah. I, mean, I still have my old BlackBerry, but honestly, if they brought that back, I would be all over it. Just, yeah. I think I still have one when I was, when we were working at PrimeSense, I would do everything on that thing, yeah. but I don't keep anything. And that's again, to your point about branding, I have, a, I have a Samsung Galaxy. I don't keep those things. I just keep that little pin that opens them up. I have a so whole dish of those, you know, the thing yeah. that opens up your phone. Yeah. So it's a common, it's a common thing I think with Apple users to keep the boxes. And and the question everyone has is like, why does Apple invest so much money in these boxes yeah. that, like you say, yeah. like most people would throw away? And the the answer that Walter Isaacson gives from from speaking to Steve Jobs was, it Im, it imputes meaning. It it, it says mm-hmm. what type of experience you're going to have with the brand. Um, it's telling you that you're going to have this really high-end, um, high-value experience, and that's what the, the box is trying to tell you, and that's why it's quite hard to throw it away. And I, I love that about branding as well, because so many, it's not just the logo and the colors. There's so many things that, Im, that imbue meaning about what the brand stands for, from how someone answers the phone to um, the colors you use on your website to every touchpoint, every interaction, all come together to form the perception that people have of your brand. And it's, it was a great lesson for me. And uh, again, I, I'm an Apple fanboy, so maybe I've just drunk the Kool-Aid, but. No, 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 you haven't. I think there's, I think, I just think <laughs> Apple fanboy, I love that. Um, well, I, you know, why not? I mean, you, you're gonna use this thing like all day, sometimes overnight, <laughs> you know, yeah. people never put it down. It's connected to your, um, there's a little bit of echo here on this. I hope you guys don't mind. Um, so why not be invested in it? I think it's I think it's a it's a thing that's become a part of our modern life. You know, is the are these devices? And I I like I said I was an Apple person, but I I switched and 
I love it. I love my freedom. I love Android. I love the technical power of Android. I think the camera's better. And I love getting into arguments with people about it. It's sort of this very bad thing I need to stop doing is that I need to, especially with my family, I like to really harass them about their iPhone choices because, you know, they're harmless. But um, I've said this before, but you know that if you send me a message on iPhone, let's say I send you a message, I say, hello, let's go to dinner. I'm in Atlanta. And you just probably like that message, but you just put an emoji like you just liked it. Yeah. On my phone, it shows up as the word liked. Oh, no. And then, and then quotation marks for what I just said to you. So it says liked. It says hello, liked. And then it says what I just sent you. I know it's crazy because in the Apple world, in the Apple world, you guys all think that everything's the same as you. You just like, like something. But on Android, it comes over as the literal translation of what you typed me, which is kind of fun because I love to screenshot it, send it back to people and say, this is what you sent me. And they're like, no, I didn't. I put a heart by it. No, you didn't. That's great. But it, well, it, it shows how passionate we are about, you yeah, know. Yeah, that's right. That's why you keep the boxes. Exactly. Yeah. That's why you keep the boxes. I do like, when I buy really nice makeup, I will keep that Chanel box. I will admit to you that I will keep it because it's wrapped in a bow and a ribbon and it feels good. And I think that's what Apple's done again with those boxes. They feel good. They're an investment, the colors, they speak to you. Okay. And I think that's, yeah. So now one of the funny things, I mean, a couple of things I wanted to ask you, you say you're a pop culture addict, but what is this pop culture you're addicted to exactly? Like what, what, it, what makes you an addict? How are you defining your addiction? I think a big part of being a, a good brand practitioner is just is having your finger on the pulse of culture. It's just knowing mm -hmm. what's happening, yeah, what are people talking about, um, and you know, in order in order to do that well, you just you have to you have to consume a lot. So I, I'm much more of a social media um, like lurker. <laughs> you know, I I, I look I, I look at <laughs> a lot. That. Of yeah, yeah, I'm a bit of a lurker. I'm a bit of a, a stalker on on social in a healthy way. Um, <laughs> Just because I, I consume a lot. I'm, a, I'm on TikTok yeah. all the time. I'm on Twitter all the time. I'm on Instagram all the time because I just, I want to know what's happening. What's, what's out yeah, there, what's trending. And I think that for me, that really feeds my, uh, my, my pop culture addiction. And, and it, it keeps me up, my finger on the pulse of what's going on in the industry, what's going on in, in culture. I think brands always live in this matrix of, of a cultural truth, a category truth, a brand truth and a customer truth. I think wow. that that Venn diagram is like where you really want your brand to live, um, and culture can't be left out of that. And so mm, if you that's so if, true. if you want to release a new video game or a new uh, a new uh, product, uh, a new baby product, or or anything, it, it's always going to live at a, at a time in culture. And so how does your brand fit into that time in culture? Is a question every brand needs to ask and to know how how to build it and how to build that brand you have to know what's happening in culture so it's so it's relevant and so that's, that's yeah that's true so what what you're talking about TikTok. you're on there all the time do you have a hard time convincing your clients to use TikTok as part of their marketing or branding efforts or is it sort of do they come to you like we got to be on TikTok? Yeah, because no, you, no. you you said something very funny about like you try to help them meet their big hairy audacious goals i love that by the way that's yeah. just great <laughs> thank you yeah especially for our agency called bald um yeah exactly that's why it's so beautiful i hope everybody understood that bald big hairy audacious goals it's so smart it's too smart thank you yeah 
a lot of clients come to us um, really not knowing what to do on TikTok and just saying, we know we need to be there, but we don't know what to do. Um, and that's great because I think um, brands are finding their, uh, their space and their voice and figuring out what, what the right way to, to, approach, uh, to approach TikTok. Um, but they do, I think a lot of them do really need, really need to be there. They just have to figure out their tone and their voice. Um, I think people are becoming a little more skeptical of brands talking to them from social. And the ones that are really winning the day that are, are the ones that are figuring out what's a great way to engage our audience without being overly promotional or overselling mm-hmm. or being too, mm-hmm. being too a little bit too blunt or with, with what they're trying to do. Um, That's really so, interesting. The fatigue then. You think there's a little fatigue there. For sure, there's definitely a little fatigue, and I think also, you know, especially Gen Z, who who are the the, the main audience on, on on TikTok, but it's also growing and expanding um, in, into other generations. I think they're a little skeptical. They're a little bit, uh, you know, cautious. Like, what are you selling me? You know, why why do you want to engage with me? And I think if you do it in a way that feels relevant, feels that feels done in a way that's tapped well into culture, it can be super effective. Um, but if it's not done well, it actually can harm your brand too. So really finding that fine line um, is is every brand's challenge. I like that because, again, back to 2016 or 2010 when it was – that really wasn't even thought of, right? It seems to be a little – I'm going to use the word here very loosely, but sort of more sensitive to those kinds of things because before I just felt like everything was more push and shove and push and shove. And now, like you, you said, there's a little more trying to make some awareness around – is this too much for them? Is this not where they need to be? Is this not genuine? And that is a shift for me I've seen over the past 10 years or so. Definitely. And and, and also I think the shift from, from Instagram to, to TikTok, I think TikTok, on Instagram yeah. there was this feeling that everything had to look perfect and be perfectly manicured yes. and like the perfect lunch shot or the perfect like, you know, uh, boat shot on your vacation. And I think on TikTok, it's a little bit more raw. It's a little bit more authentic. You can be a little bit more yourself. It doesn't have to be overly produced. Um, and I think it's part of its charm. I think it's part of why it's taken off because um, you really can just authentically engage with people and you don't have to feel like shit about yourself. <laughs> when, yeah, when exactly. You, you know what? That's a really good, good point. It's authenticity, right? So yeah. like, I mean, this podcast is all about like there's no very little production. I'm I'm learning as we go along, but I think I had mentioned to you earlier when you were in the digital green room that some of the most the most comments I've gotten on here was they love how authentic it is and how sort of imperfect it is. And I think TikTok, you're right, could have helped elevate it and change that because Instagram is I I'm not on Instagram. I left about three years ago. Painstakingly, sickingly sweet fake to me. Yeah. And I yeah, and it's sort of you see all these perfect like you said perfectly packaged light wine everything's perfect and then you know the terror behind that right relationships aren't real like that was a nightmare so i like the idea of tiktok bringing more authenticity to social i really do i I love that you said that yeah i think that's why it's taken off which who's harder to convince to do social media today and maybe that's a dumb question is it big companies like the big gigantic tech brands or a big you know budget heavy companies or smaller companies trying to like get into their own market space i think the bigger companies have a greater challenge to figure out how they show up um in a way that's much more engaging and not just doing it to check off the box and adding to the noise it's it's really hard and and so i think 
um, you know, we have a client that we, we're working with that we, we do a lot of um, a lot of his content. Um, and it's it's really not easy to um, it's not easy to get um, a good flow of content that's really engaging and it's really telling a story and it's really entertaining. Um, but at the same time, fulfilling the brand's uh, goals and ambitions. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it's a challenge across the board for all brands, big and small. But I think the, the bigger brands really have a struggle in because they're seen as a behemoth and they're because they're seen as these big tech companies. Um, it's 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 more and more difficult. And what I've the shift that I've also seen is people actually representing those companies um, do a lot better than the brand themselves. And I'm sure you've seen that that little chart. There's always uh, you know how many followers does Elon Musk have versus Tesla and Jeff Bezos beside oh, yeah, you know, yeah. Amazon. And, and the people always have three times or four times more followers because people want to follow people. They don't want to necessarily follow brands. And so I think that's also something that's maybe under leveraged. Um, and how do you take your your spokespeople, your superstars, the the people that are the face and representing your brand? How do you leverage their voices and their networks to really get your brand messages out? Maybe even more than your than your 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 brand channels. Yeah, I think that actually that's I love that you said that because I think Richard Branson said something similar to that years ago when he said people want to follow people, not brands. Like yeah. they want to connect with people. And we won't even get going on Elon Musk and Twitter today. We'll just leave that. But I will ask you before it's over what your tech pet peeve is right now. But now I know you've always been a big fan of storytelling. I know that you've been obsessed with film since you were a kid. But recently you did this summary of all the video projects you've made. And it sort of felt like you were being taken down memory lane in a way. What are some of the, the most things that stand out in your mind of all of these video project that you've done over the past, I think it was over the past year. Is that right? Uh, no, it's the past like 10 years. Uh, the past 10 years. Okay. Yeah, okay, 10 yeah, years. yeah. You listed a lot of one and one of them was you spent 72 hours in the back of your car editing. I thought that was sounded like, like, were you eating? Was that just like nonstop? Like what was happening back there? There was just, there was this crazy <laughs> deadline and <laughs> it's for me, Video is just one of the great storytelling devices, and I'm and I'm not just talking about the ones that you do quickly on your phone for a quick story. Like really telling beautiful brand stories through, um, you know, one to three minute campaign videos or little TV spots or commercials that that can really move people and create tell an emotional story. And so because it's such a it's such a creative process, everything from the ideating and concepting in the very beginning to the storyboarding and figuring out how to cre- how to how to create an arc to the story to actually going out and filming in the street and engaging with the talent and you know working with the directors and the producers and then going in the editing room and finding that perfect music or or finding that emotional moment that like you know you, that you want to you know get people in in the stomach you know it's just it's such a thrilling process from beginning to end and then for me, it always gets to the point like right before it re- it's released. Um, I, I'm like so close to it. I, I don't know if this is good. I don't know if this shit, but we're going to put it out anyway. <laughs> and then it gets this like great response. There's just no greater thrill. So I'll, I'll yeah. sit in my car and edit, you know, I sleep for an hour, but like edit it for 72 hours straight. And I'll, you know, find a pigeon farmer on the corner, you know. The yes, co- that was a pigeon farmer. You had to go find a pigeon farmer. 
yeah, we needed an epic closing shot. So I, I, I said, okay, we're going to release the pigeons. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, final, the final frame comes on. I'm going to find a pigeon farmer. I found him. We released, I think, around 63, 64 pigeons. And it was an amazing closing shot. And they all flew back to the farm. Oh, my God. I love that. I love that. And so you, when you're doing, when you're making these videos, I think you shot your first music video. I think there's lots of you told 40 stories by 40 different women. Like you made a short video for that do you do you have these memories of being a child and wanting to make films when you're now thinking i do this for a living yeah totally. thank god i had this existential meltdown right yeah totally it's uh, i love movies you know from from the from the youngest age and was obsessed with the oscars i would read um <laughs> film reviews on the weekend like that's what a, that's how much of a dork i was and uh, just absolutely love film, and it is—it's it's magic, you know. Yeah. Being on set to shoot to shoot a commercial, or to to do a TV spot, or to you know to crisscross the country and to do um, you know different vignettes and portraits—it's—it's—it's it's, it's the best. It's the best work. It's what I love to do most, and uh, it's really kind of thrilling. I I feel very blessed. I love that. I can hear it in your voice. It's it's very uplifting. Is there any maybe a short film in your future? Are you thinking about uh, maybe creating a short film or a feature film just maybe down the road? So I'm obsessed with documentaries at the moment, as I think most people are. Um, yes, you know, I'm obsessed with documentaries, too. They're great obsessed but I, but I also love the style and um yeah. and so yeah there's there's definitely um a few projects that are in the works at the moment that that really leverage that style and that I'm so excited for them to to come out They'll, they're going to be coming out this quarter so I'll, I'll make sure to to shoot you a link but um yes. yeah there's there's no question that the there's, there's definitely a lot more um video campaigns and video work in Bald's future and uh just just love it that's so great i'm so excited for you to have made this journey and i know i would ask this question but it feels like you've already talked about some of that maybe your tiny little victory was your existential breakdown to get you to this to branding and video and storytelling what do you think of one thing in your life other than being a happy husband and a doting father and a chihuahua <laughs> dad i did read all of that what, is there any one thing that sort of you feel was the line in the sand for you to put you in this beautiful place? Yeah, I, I, the memory that like really comes back to mind is I remember when I was a marketing director, I remember sitting with my team on a bunch of bean bags and we were trying to brainstorm like a creative concept for a campaign. And I don't even remember what the campaign was. I don't even remember what the execution was. But they were at, we were just sitting on these beanbags and we were just laughing hysterically and having the best time. And we came up with some amazing ideas. And for me, that was like such a pivotal moment because I just realized that the best creative ideas come when there's a sense of laughter and a sense of joy and people feel safe to share their craziest thoughts, their craziest thinking, their wildest ideas. And I've always tried to, with all the teams that I've led, to create that sense of laughter and joy, um, because I think the best creativity comes comes from that. Um, I think that's always been the golden thread for me. And this team that I built now, there is a lot of laughter. There's a lot of joy. That you know, they all poke fun at my bald head, which is which is fantastic, <laughs> um, and I love it. It's just yeah, I think because of it, we're a stronger agency. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, I really love that 
I really love that. That's actually quite beautiful. I almost had no words because if you're going to create a culture in the company that you own that is all about authenticity and creativity and sitting on beanbags laughing, then you have to actually be that. You have to do that. You have to, you know, let them laugh at your bald head or sit on those beanbags because you're right. True creativity comes from a sense of just feeling free to say and create when you want when you want. I think that's really beautiful. It's very uplifting, actually. So I give you a lot of credit for that. Um, yeah, this is great. What is your one, we're going to leave, even though that was so beautiful, we're going to ask you this. Do you have any like super pet peeves today with what's going on on the internet? Anything? Or maybe I think, not? Uh, no, I, I definitely do. I, I feel as obviously as a brand, as a, as a brand lover and, and marketer, <laughs> um, it's, there, there is a lot of noise and, um, I feel so much marketing, so much creative today is just uninspired. Um, and people are just on this hamster wheel, like, okay, we just have to churn things out. doesn't matter what it looks like. doesn't matter what it is. As yes, long as we're churning, yes. it's fine. And I, I think we've sort of lost um, lost a, lot of, a bit of inspiration for, like, really building a great creative or great brand work that's going to shift things, that feels different, that looks different, that makes people turn heads. And um, I hope that I hope we bring that back a little bit. I, I love seeing other people's work that blows me away. And I want to kick myself that I didn't think of it first. I um, <laughs> love that. But you know what? You 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 want something better. And I agree. The passion is gone. So if anyone's going to kick it back, it could be you. I'm feeling like it could be you. I so <laughs> uh, I'm going to keep my eye out. And what I, we're going to put all of his links in the notes to bald agencies. You can see some of the work that they've done. And hey, when you get those documentaries done, let's do another podcast. We'll put them in there so people can flock to see your great films. How about that? Absolutely, Jen. Okay. Well, thank you so much for talking to us today and sharing all these very positive comments about creativity and authenticity. It feels very uplifting. So I really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. And I look forward to staying in touch some more. Hey, welcome back. I wanted to close out episode five with Hillel just on a little point about pondering life. You never know where it's going to take you. I started working with him back in 2010 when I ran my agency, Inc. Communications, and um, he was the marketing expert at PrimeSense. And, you know, his journey has been so incredible to watch because he has just gobbled up information and gobbled up learning. He definitely has a talent and an affinity for what he's doing. But I love his authenticity saying, you know, he did all these things, he was trying to reach the pinnacle of marketing, and then he sort of had this existential crisis. And you know, I think that's good because sometimes we're on a path that just keeps pushing us. It's like this hand behind us or something just keeps propelling us. and. You know, it could be tangentially related to where we think we want to be, but sometimes it takes a moment. Sometimes it takes a reckoning to be able to step into your authentic self. And I could feel the passion in his voice and feel how much he loves what he does, but also could just imagine like a younger Hillel being so in love with films and movies. And now he's doing this. He's creating these, this art, this creativity, this branding, the storyteller, storytelling for his clients. And for me, that's admirable. So 
I hope that you enjoyed listening to this episode with Hillel and we will see you next week. Yes, we have decided on a publishing date and it will be Wednesdays, hump day. Who doesn't love that day? So we will see you next Wednesday on Tiny Little Victories.